Okay. Thanks, Jub, for leading us in worship this afternoon. Um, I'm going to have a look at, uh, we're going to have a look this afternoon at 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, we started in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2 a few weeks ago and then we had a, we've had a bit of a break, but we'll go back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and continue on there. But before we uh, open the word of God, let's just uh, ask God to lead us um, and uh, speak to us through his word. Father, we give you thanks for this afternoon. We thank you for uh, the reminder of your of the plan of salvation, the plan to uh, bring us back to back to you, back into your family. Uh, Father, we give you thanks that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was uh, willing and worthy uh, to die in our place and, and able to uh, pay the penalty uh, that we should have paid. So, Father, we give you thanks for that. We thank you for. Uh, our time together this afternoon and now father as we open your word we pray that you would speak to us that you would speak through me uh, father that your word uh, would be uh, what is proclaimed this afternoon not my ideas not my interpretation uh, but your word uh, and father through your holy spirit that you might speak to us uh, and lead us and and uh, help us to uh, understand what you're saying to each of us uh, father we pray that we might grow to uh, know and love you more and to become uh, more like yourself in this uh, generation this evil generation that we find ourselves in uh, father we pray these things in jesus name amen, amen. <clears throat> um this afternoon i want to have a look at three c's uh in the in the the third chapter of first peter We've got, in the beginning, we've got the Christian's conduct. Uh, then we've got a call to blessing. And then we've got Christ's suffering, our case study. Um, so if our conduct is in line with Scripture, if our behaviour is obedient to God, if we are living, if we live the way that God has called us to live, there is a blessing for us. Um, we can't expect to live however we want and still receive a blessing from God. We can't continue in our selfish way of life, believing that life is all about us and how we can be served by others and expect to receive a blessing from God. Um, we, we don't work for our salvation, the Bible tells us, but once we are saved... There are things that need to be done and a, and a, and a lifestyle that needs to be uh, lived. We, we can't just continue living however we want, as, as often as we might want to. And believe me, there are times when we want to, when we want to go back to the old way of living and do things the way we used to do them. Um, but we can't, because God has called us to honour him in our behaviour, in our conduct and in the way we live. So we'll read the first seven verses. Um, it says there, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that uh, even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by your conduct, uh, by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging your hair and wearing gold and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be hidden. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty uh, of a gentle and quiet, quiet spirit, 
which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this, for in this manner, uh, in, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands likewise, dwell with, with your wives or with them with understanding, giving honour to your wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of, of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Yeah, this, these verses might speak specifically to husbands and wives, but I think that we can all learn from them. Uh, it might be specific in its direction to husbands and wives, but it's general in its application to Christians. I think you know, we are to be respectful of one another, understanding, showing honour, having unity of mind, it goes on to say later, uh, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. And each of us should be more concerned about our inner being and the beauty that can be portrayed through that rather than our outer being. Um, you know, we, we, we need to work on uh, the, the godly attributes in our lives so that they can be displayed rather than dolling ourselves up and making ourselves look good. It's, for me, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. You couldn't, you couldn't make me look good if you tried. Now we've got to work on our inner being. You know, we've, got, we've got to be able to show to one another, as we were singing earlier, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what we're called to do. Called to be, and, and like I said before, we, we fail and fall in this all the time. Some of the simplest things we, we just fail to do. And we can be unloving in that towards one another. And, and we need to, to work towards uh, and work hard at uh, being kind and gentle, respectful, understanding, showing honour to one another, tender-hearted and having a humble mind. These are the things that uh, we need to pursue as Christians, as followers of Christ. These are the things that are expected of us. Then we have... Uh, in verses uh, 8 onwards, it says, uh, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion to, to one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted and uh, courteous, not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. We are called to bless others and in that we receive the blessing from God. So the call to blessing is for us to be a blessing to others in the way that we behave towards one another, in the things that we do for uh, those who aren't um, with, walking with the Lord, the things that we do for those who would even persecute us, Cutus, it goes on to say that we need to um, have unity of mind, that we need to work together, uh, but uh, and, and not paying back evil for evil, 
That's, that's something that's common in our society. It perpetuates evil because everyone has to pay back the one who's done them wrong. But as Christians, we're called to, to, to not do that. To, to, um, it says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For this is what you were called to. We are called to be different to the rest of society. It's so easy to, to pay back when something has gone uh, against us. So when somebody's done the wrong thing towards us, it's easy for us to pay back because that comes naturally. But it's very difficult to bless them, to be a blessing to those who have hurt us. Um, and, and it doesn't feel like we're being blessed at that point. We're, we're, we're being persecuted, we're being hurt. It, it doesn't feel like we're being blessed. But it's how we respond, and I say this to my children all the time, the, the thing that matters is how we respond to what's going on around us. We can't stop people persecuting us, but we can stop and change our attitude and respond differently. And in that response, the way in which we respond will determine whether we receive a blessing from God or not. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Or in unity, as it says in First Peter. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible... As far as depends on you, live at peace with one another. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to, God, to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, become, uh, do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, we are to be so different from society in our behaviour and in our, in our response to people, in the way they treat us, we are to be so different from the rest of society. Bless those who persecute you, it says here in Romans. Bless and do not curse. How easy is it to... to uh, say or to, to you know if, if somebody has hurt us to, to run them down or to, to, to curse them in some way to say something bad against them it's very difficult to bless them and practically bless them it says here you know if they're hungry give them something to eat if they're thirsty give them something to drink that's the requirement of those of us who say that we follow Christ we need to, to, to live in a way that uh, shows that to the rest of society. If we go back to the beginning of verse 8, it speaks there about unity. And it, it's saying there that we don't have to... It's not saying that we have to agree on everything. But unity is working together for a common goal. And the goal that we're working for is the glory of God, the salvation of souls, and the encouragement of other believers. It means that we must be willing 
to submit to each other when it comes to working through disagreements. That's, that's unity. That's working together for a common goal. That's what the Word of God asks us to do. In Psalm 131, uh, 33 it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil on the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains, mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. So the blessing of unity is life forevermore. There can't be, we can't dwell in unity if we continue on with our selfish way of life, expecting that my rights be upheld, my opinion be listened to. Sometimes we need to lay aside our own desires and our own rights and opinions, our own ideas, so that unity can be the thing that our church is known for. The blessing is life forevermore. Somebody has said, when there is unity among God's people, they themselves enjoy life to the fullest and in the truest sense. And they themselves can be channels, can become channels through which life flows to others. When there is unity among the children of God, there can be a blessing for others. We can, we can enjoy life forevermore. It starts now. We can enjoy life to the full when we live in unity with one another. So if we want to be blessed by God, be a blessing to others. By living in unity with one another, the way we live in unity is putting others before ourselves, putting others' uh, rights and opinions and... and um, Desires before our own. Uh, we're, we're not to, to push our own sort of uh, selfish desires on other people. You know, the blessing we receive isn't a life without suffering. If that were the case, the rest of chapter 3 would be unnecessary. Because he goes on to speak about the suffering that comes, or the suffering that Christ had, and the suffering and, and, and how we are to deal with with suffering. Verse 10, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and, he, and, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, or unity. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Whoever desires to love life. Well, in, in John chapter 12 and verse 25, it, it sounds like a contradiction because it says there, whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life uh, in this world will keep it for eternal life. But in John, the, the loving of life, there is a selfish desire. It's holding on to our own selfishness. And here in First Peter, the loving of life is being obedient to God and living the way that he wants us to live. Just a different um, emphasis on the word love. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, 
Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, the righteousness here uh, isn't speaking about necessarily the righteousness that we get from God or from Christ when we're saved. It's speaking about our walk of righteousness, walking in the righteousness that we've received from Christ. The righteousness that we are to walk in is about our relationships with one another, how we treat others. It's been put by others that the righteousness or this sort of righteousness is best thought of as those who disadvantage themselves for the sake of others. Those who are not selfish, self-centred or self-seeking. And the evil that's spoken of here are those who would live a selfish life and do not live for the good of others. Our conduct as believers, as Christians, isn't so that we'll be praised or isn't so that we will look good in society. It isn't so that we will, we will have a, a good standing among our peers or anything like that. Our, the conduct as believers or our conduct should be done in such a way that it brings glory to God. In, in uh, the second chapter of this book, it says... Uh, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not, it's not so that we can receive praise. It's so that God might be honoured and glorified through our actions towards one another, through our righteous living, through the way we treat different, you know, those around us. You know, in John chapter eleven, Jesus says that even the death. That a death that could have been prevented, Lazarus' death, could have been prevented, it was, but it wasn't prevented because or for the glory of God. For the glory of the Son of God and for the sake of others. If the death of Lazarus was for the glory of God, how much then should our lives be for the glory of God? If God can use somebody's death for his glory, he can use our life. For his glory as well. In chapter 11 of John it says, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, the glory, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. He didn't rush off to try and help him. He stayed there for two more days. And later Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus is dead and for your sake I am glad I'm not there. So that you may believe. But let's go to him. And we know that Jesus was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. But his death was for the glory of God and for the sake of others. So that the disciples might believe that Jesus was the Christ and that he, you know, bringing Lazarus back from the dead, he was able to prove that he was the Son of God. And, but it was done for God's glory. And that's 
how we should be living our lives for the glory of God and the sake of others. That's how our intention should be. That's how that's the the purpose of our life should be to glorify God and live for the sake of others. Go on in verse thirteen. It says, "There is uh, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. If we suffer." Because of the good things that we do, then we will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor trouble, but in your hearts honour Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks uh, you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Uh, Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, uh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went to proclaim to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, um, were brought to safety through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves us, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers uh, having been subjected to him. There is suffering in the life of the Christian and there will be suffering. But if we suffer because of the sin that we've committed, that's our own fault. But if we suffer because of righteousness, then there is a blessing that comes from God. If we if we are persecuted because of the good things that we do then there is a blessing that comes from God Christ also suffered it says here it goes on to say there that uh, in relation to baptism the baptism that saves us isn't the baptism of by water the baptism that saves us was the baptism that Jesus himself went through he was baptized in the wrath of of God, He suffered, the, the suffering that he endured for us is likened to a baptism. He went through the waters of judgment on our behalf. Amen. In Luke chapter 20, uh, 12 verse 50, he says, Jesus says these words, I have, I have a baptism to be baptised with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Psalm 42 verse 7 also references this baptism. It says, deep calls to deep. Uh, at the roar of the waterfalls, all the breakers and your waves have gone over me. There's an old hymn that's written by J.J. Hopkins. And verse 4 says, Then the closing scene of anguish, all God's waves and billows roll. Over him they're left to languish on the cross to save my soul. Matchless love, how vast, how free, 
Jesus gave himself for me. That's the baptism that saves us. The baptism that saves us is the baptism that Jesus himself went through. The baptism of God's wrath and anger and uh, his pouring out of his wrath upon the sin that we have committed, that was laid on Jesus. Jesus suffered. Why do we expect that we won't? If we are following him, why do we expect that it should only be uh, beer and skittles, as the saying goes, or it should be a bed of roses? There is suffering that will take place. Our identification with Jesus' death, burial and resurrection in the waters of baptism shows what has taken place in our hearts in relation to believing that, that the finished work of Christ on the cross is able to save us. It is through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we are able to be righteous. We are able to have a standing before God. Amen. And the more we understand the suffering that Jesus endured, the more we will be willing to suffer for him. We would be able to endure the false accusations, the slander and those that would try to run us down and try to, to persecute us for doing what is right. That sort of suffering can be more endured if we know and understand what Christ did for us. Christ suffered for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. The more we understand the suffering of Jesus, the more we would be willing to live for his glory and for the sake of others knowing that that's how he lived here on earth. Our conduct as Christians should be a blessing to others and bring glory to God. Our conduct as Christians should be a blessing to others and bring glory to God. And in that blessing to others and in the suffering for the name of Jesus, we ourselves receive the blessing. We receive life forevermore if we are his followers we we are able to to be assured of eternal life if we have surrendered our lives to him if we have accepted the gift of salvation we can have the assurance of eternal life in heaven with him but until that day comes there is suffering to go through and there is a requirement on our conduct as followers of jesus christ and the way we deal and respond to those around us. The way we deal with them, the way we respond to them. And in being a blessing to others and bringing glory to God, we then are able to receive a blessing also. May that be an encouragement to you this afternoon. Um, we're going to leave it there. Uh, I'm going to uh, close in prayer and then we'll have some announcements before dinner. I'll, I'll give thanks for dinner as well while we're up here. Father, we give you thanks for this afternoon. We thank you for uh, the reminders in your word that uh, we are able to, um, that, that you uh, expect of us that we would be a blessing to others, that we would um, try and, and, and live the life that you have for us in order to bring you honour and glory so that your name would be praised and glorified, so that you would be uh, lifted high, 
uh, Father, that uh, our conduct uh, might um, be that which is honouring to you. And Father, we pray that um, we might uh, seek to honour you through this week in the things that we do, uh, the way we do them, the things that we say and the things that we think. Uh, Father, might honour and glorify you, uh, we pray. Lord, we ask now for our time together. We thank you for the fellowship we're able to have uh, now around a, a meal. We give you thanks for it and pray that you would bless it to our bodies. Uh, and we, uh, we give you thanks for the food that's provided in Jesus' name. Amen.